So tonight we are going to be talking about relationship with food, our own relationship with food. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. This is going to be a discussion topic, but I thought I would start with something I've picked up. Um, I'm partway through this book. I thoroughly recommend it. If you are interested, it is called Just Eat It. And it is by Laura Thomas. And the uh, underlying bit is how intuitive eating can help you get your shit together around food. Now, it's very well written from what I've read so far in a sense of it's humorous. It's uh, an easy read, very informative, very uh, data driven. So it's evidence based, which anytime we're talking health and nutrition, I love evidence based stuff. I don't like it when it's just plucked out of thin air. Um, so it's very much about improving your relationship with food through listening to hunger cues, to signals from your own body, basically encouraging you to intuitively eat. And she breaks down various bits about diet culture, lots of stuff that we have um, discussed in the past. Um, but what I wanted to do is I thought was really, really interesting, quite early on in the book, is an intuitive eating quiz, a little assessment. Okay, now um, intuitive eating, when you see some coaches, some trainers, some fitness influencers, things like that on Instagram talking about it, how they just just intuitively eat. I'm always a bit wary about it. I would say, and, and to be fair, this assessment would say as well, my relationship with food is fantastic and I'm very good at intuitively eating, but I have spent years uh, calorie counting. So from a standpoint of maintaining my body weight or losing weight, if I want to dial it in a little bit for the summer, I can very easily guesstimate my daily calorie amount. And I can say to myself, I've got, I've had this much, blah, 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 things like that. Okay. So when I see it on social media, sometimes I'm a little bit like, well, you know, you have competed four times in bodybuilding competitions i know you've done a hell of a lot of tracking don't tell your followers that you can just intuitively eat like magic because you need to understand food to a certain extent to do that and she does talk about this in the book but she also talks about understanding your own hunger signals and a part of what she does is say let's remove the idea while you work on this of a nutrition i.e. healthy eating, healthy food, things like that, just put that to one side, and B, uh, the idea of losing weight. Start to pay attention to how food makes you feel, how full it leaves you feeling, how much you enjoy it, um, things like that. Very interesting. Anyway, so there is a little quiz here, which I'm going to read out and run through. What I want you to do is, if it's a yes, Give yourself a little tick, as in a, a, a little a, a dash, okay? And if it's a no, don't worry about it, okay? What we want to know is of these, I think there's 20, maybe even a few less than that. Um, just under that, in fact. Of these, I want to know how many yeses and how many noes. So just tally them up, okay? Now, if you are scoring yes on everything, I don't want you to immediately go, oh my God, 
my relationship with food is terrible. I really need to fix this. This is a big concern, things like that. That's not what this is about. This is actually, it's about intuitive eating, which has been um, shown to be kind of the opposite of disordered eating. It might be that you recognize there's a category where you say yes to all of them and you're like, ah, okay, I need to, I need to work on that. And absolutely, you know that you can speak to me privately about that and we can go over some stuff. But I'm gonna try and run through these quite quickly. So just go with what springs to mind for you. If you're like, yes, if you're no, just give a little tally. I want to know out of the 19, how many yeses did you give? Just a little one point for each of those. So. How many of these do you agree with? First category is unconditional permission to eat. So I try to avoid certain foods high in fat, carbs, sugar, or calories. Number two, I have forbidden foods that I don't let myself eat. Number three, I get mad at myself for eating something unhealthy. Uh, just give me a little nod. Am I going at an okay pace or do I need to slow it down a bit? We're okay? Cool. Number four, if I crave a certain food, I don't allow myself to have it. And number five, I follow rules that dictate when, what, and how much I can eat. So that's the first category. So again, you're just putting down a, a little one if you agree with the statement and we'll add that up at the end. Next category, eating for physical rather than emotional reasons. That's category two. So I eat when I'm feeling emotional, anxious, depressed, sadness, things like that. Number two, I eat when I'm feeling lonely. Number three, I eat when I'm feeling bored. Number four, I eat when I'm feeling stressed out, even though I'm not physically hungry. And number five, I use food to help me soothe negative emotions. Okay, moving on to the next category. This is reliance on hunger and satiety cues. Okay, there's six in this category. There's only one more category after that. So I don't trust my body to tell me when to eat. I don't trust my body to tell me what to eat. That's one and two. Number three, I don't trust my body to tell me how much to eat. Number four, I don't trust my body to tell me when to stop eating. Number five, I can't tell when I'm slightly hungry. And number six, I can't tell when I'm slightly full. And then we've got one more category, just three in this category. And this is to do with body and food choice congruence, how much your body and food match up with each other. So um, number one, most of the time, I don't want to eat nutritious foods. Number two, I don't often eat foods that make my body perform well. And number three, I don't often eat foods that give my body energy and stamina. And again, remember, with all of those, you were just, if you agreed with the statement, putting a little mark down, okay? 
And then just have a quick look. So your total score, the lower your score, the better you are at intuitive eating, which inversely means the further you are away from disordered eating. So people who score very highly on this, and remember what I said at the beginning, this is only a kind of a quick quiz from a book. It doesn't mean, you know, beat yourself up or worry about anything. Um, it just means, so the higher the score, if for example, it was all of one category, that might tell you that you want to speak to me about that category. So I thought this would be a nice little assessment. Okay, I'm not gonna ask for your scores or anything like that. Um, as I said, if you found that one category in particular, you were like, oh, actually, okay, then reach out to me, we can discuss. If you're interested in looking at this further, as I said, um, that's Just Eat It by Laura Thomas. And um, then what I wanted to do is I have written down what I commonly see as uh, mindset-related food relationship issues always tends to be uh, previous or most commonly, I should say. I shouldn't say always. That's a meta model right there. It's not always. Okay. Most commonly is when I speak to people with previous diet history, they've picked up little things from their diets along the way. But I won't go through mine just yet. Does anyone, and I think all of you have worked with me for quite a while, and as she disappeared, her screen's gone, but I know, I know my Lauren, not to get us confused, is here because we've been speaking quite a lot about her relationship with food recently. Um, I know that she has probably got a few that will spring to mind. So what I'm interested in is can anyone think of, maybe it was when you first joined and you were like, oh, actually, okay, I, I, I need to change that belief a little bit. Maybe it was something that I said. Maybe it was even something that you read on my social media or we've had a conversation about it before or it's something that years ago you recognised wasn't something uh, that worked for you. So I'm interested in people sharing their own thoughts and experiences on relationship with food, where they might have recognised it wasn't great, what they've found has helped them improve it. So if anyone wants to jump straight in, that would be fantastic. Are we talking about things like, because um, I did intermittent fasting for years, and uh, I mean, I don't, I know it doesn't fit everybody or whatever, I'm not doing it at the moment, but I know it taught me that if you're hungry, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you have to eat. Um, okay. And I thought that was a very useful, if nothing else, then I thought that was a really useful thing. Yeah. So I, I think we could, uh, that could be quite easily discussed and uh, two prong on that one, because am I right in assuming intuitive eating for you? Uh, sorry, not intuitive eating, intermittent fasting for yourself. Was it a weight loss tactic? Uh, I originally, I read about it to do with the cholesterol levels and that okay. it could change your I don't know, yeah, your ratios or whatever. In the end, I never, um, I never did the second blood test to check properly. Yeah, ratio, ratio, HDL to LDL, yeah. yeah. But I did it when I was doing bodybuilding a lot as well. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. 
not not when I was doing bodybuilding afterwards because okay. bodybuilding was like eating five times a lots day. and lots yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. yeah. but I think it's it's a very interesting one so I I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting and I've I've spoken to people about it before particularly when they're trying to lose weight um and and that's I find it a very effective tool because it limits the amount of calories I have in the morning. So therefore I've got more calories for the evening and I'm someone who likes to have a big dinner and, and maybe even kind of, you know, a big portion of like yogurt and blueberries and, and, and put them around on top and things like that. That's kind of Lauren and my sort of standard dessert. Um, so for me, it works very, very well in that sense. I also find I, uh, my focus is much improved in the morning. However, you could see how intermittent fasting could harm someone's relationship with food if the mindset behind it was, I can't eat until midday. Because if you get to the point where you're extremely hungry, you're energy deprived, you're grumpy, your focus has gone out the window, you're grouchy. Um, I know people who have spoken to me about trying intermittent fasting and you know they're ready to bite people's heads off which is probably not great in a in an office space or if for example you lead a school um so <laughs> i know that there's there's reasons why intermittent fasting would be beneficial i'd imagine it could be and to be fair this is the case and this is one of my points was the case with a lot of dietary mechanisms if we're talking about i want to lose weight I'm going to use this dietary mechanism, low carb, intermittent fasting, high fat. I would class those as all diets, but they're, you know, diet mechanisms. Um, in each of those, you might pick up a mindset that I can't have this, I can't have that. And that in itself is another point. So we'll, we'll move on to another one. But yes, that's definitely something that that's kind of, yeah, I want to just have a discussion, basically. Has anyone got another one? Karen? Um, good food and bad food. Boom. I knew that would come up. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. What was and your realisation with it? Well, I think it was a conversation I had with you, but I realised I've been doing it for a long time and a lot of that came from, um, I was quite chubby as a child. And so I was told, you know, don't have that, you'll get fatter, all those kind of things that kind of make your mindset go one way. Um, and it's a language that I've used for years and years and years. And it was only when I had a discussion with you and I said, oh, I'm trying to be good. <laughs> and you rolled your eyes. Um, and I still catch myself using that language. Good food, bad food. Oh, I'm trying to be good rather than trying to eat healthily or being healthy. Yeah. So I'm, it's something as well with teenage daughters that I'm really keen to not use that language in front of them. And I don't, um, yeah. but I need to use it a bit better with myself at times. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that is a great example. That was that was top of my list. And um, I, I know, you know, all of you here have been working with me a while and you know this, uh, but I'm gonna kind of just, the other comment that we would use for people who are catching up on this, maybe listening to it as a podcast version or whatever, uh, by all means, if you want to send this to a friend, um, and they might find it useful, please do as a podcast. But um, instead of saying good or bad food, we can say it's less or more in line with our goals. Um, you know, 
Lots of people will say that uh, chocolate is bad, but if you're dealing with someone who's diabetic and they're having low blood sugar, in that situation, if it's the only thing around, chocolate's pretty good. In fact, it's, it's pretty amazing in that situation. It might even save that person's life. So we can't really call food good or bad. It's just less or more in line with our goals. And I'm actually, I, I'm going to, maybe someone would have brought this up anyway. We've kind of alluded to it already. But it's an interesting one that Karen just said she still has to stop herself. Because um, I find that lots of people, even when we get to this point, I'm not saying it's good or bad, uh, what they might not pick up on is in social situations when someone offers you food, for example, someone's birthday at work, there's some cake, there's whatever, that kind of thing, might even be in a restaurant, hey, do you want some of this? And the response you might go give is, oh, no, I can't eat that. So that as a statement, is, is quite damaging. I can't eat it. Of course you can eat it. You know, it's, it's not going to you know, poison you, things like that. Um, and what the response you might get from someone is immediately, well, go on, have some. And I love the example with this. Um, when we're talking, and, and I know it's completely separate, but smokers. And they, studies have shown smokers, if you have two people that are both stopping smoking, and they are offered a cigarette, the person who says, no, I don't smoke, is the one who is going to be giving up smoking. The person who says, oh no, I'm trying to quit, is not giving up smoking. And I think, I just think language is such an interesting thing in that way. So I wrote down, my, one of my points was, I can't eat that. Be aware of that phrase and be more powerful with it. If someone offers you something, and it's less in line with your goals, and you don't want it, then say, no, thank you, I don't want any. Or, no, thank you, I, you know, I don't want any right now. And if the follow-up is, well, what are you talking about? Go on. No, it's all right. I'm, I'm being a bit healthier at the moment. Or, it's fine, I'm, I'm actually, I'm saving it for dinner. Or, I'm saving it for the weekend, or, or whatever it might be. But I can't eat that is kind of a almost a weak phrase in that situation, if that makes sense. Um, someone else, another one, what else have we got as, as kind of food relationship things that you might have previously had, maybe even still do have? I don't know if you would count it as one, but the only thing I can think of is that, again, it's I suppose it's that good and bad, but my thing, not so much now, but used to be my big thing is if I'd had something bad, I would just say, well, I, I would then go into like a bit of a binge thing. Cause then my head would just think, well, you've already had something bad. So you might as well just carry on now. It's a great example, a classic example. Um, not sure my mic is working. My thing, okay. Um, yeah, no, that's a fantastic example because um, it's a, it, ties into lots of different little bits there because of course you then also get this guilt am I right it's you know yeah. I, feel, I feel guilt I've had something bad and I do find that by removing that idea of good and bad it does help I do find that education around well actually do you know what having something less in line with my goals 
let's say, for example, you know, you've had chocolate on a Saturday afternoon. It's not the chocolate really that is less in line with your goals. You know, a, a Mars bar is what, in fact, I think they've made a Mars bar less calories now because they've just made it smaller. Sacrilege, in my opinion, but it does mean it's about 180 calories for a Mars bar now. But anyway, um, if you have, you know, a chocolate bar, 200, 250, something like that calories, if that then ties into this, oh, I've just had something really bad, I've screwed it up now, 250 calories, have you? But the 2,000 calories that you then have for dinner because you've screwed it up, so you might as well in for a penny, in for a pound, I'll have an entire tub of Ben and Jerry's and a Domino's pizza. Yeah. Like, that, that's what screwed it up. This, again, it fits with that, oh, I'll start again Monday. I've been bad so what's the point? Well, no, you, you've basically, you've just had some food that's less in line with your goals. No big deal. No big deal whatsoever. What makes it even less in line with your goals is when you take that approach of less in line with the goals. So yeah, really, really great example there. Um, would you say you've stopped that now, Ellie? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, that was classic me. Oh, I'll start again Monday. Or I would start Monday end up having having something bad press the effort button and go "Mm, I've still got Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday I'm all right and then it gets Tuesday and then I think I've still got Wednesday Thursday so it doesn't matter if I'm naughty naughty today (laughs) but now I realize like one little thing doesn't have to screw up your whole week absolutely not and the thing about you know when when we start to education educate ourselves around calories the fact is we have you know like this is not one day and then it stops or yeah. one week or, and then it stops or, or one month. You know, this is a continuous, you know, ever coming in and out process. So having a day of higher calories because you've had something less in line with your goals, no big deal whatsoever. You will naturally have days that are uh, more in line with your goals if your goal is weight loss from a standpoint of, of lower calories. Cool, I like that one. And um, since we're mentioning calories, Lauren, I don't think your mic is working. It says you're not muted. We're definitely getting nothing from you, Lauren. If you want to, you could just run upstairs. Oh dear, <laughs> annoying. I mean, I, I, I am probably on the floor above you. I have one. Go for it, yes. Uh, different Lauren um so like before I started with you I was doing three really high intensity workouts a week and I had like a fitness band on and although I didn't think I was eating more because I've exercised like I was probably a bit more relaxed and thought well the exercise band fitness band says I burn 800 calories so like I can have a few takeaways and um things like that and then just learning how inaccurate those things are Brilliant. I like that one. Now, uh, I'm going to I'm going to tie that into one that I'd written down on my list, the idea of earning food. So it's the idea of I need to burn this many calories in a workout or I need to get this workout done, regardless of calories or not, in order to earn my food. Uh, I've, I've just done my my fifth workout of the week. It's Friday. I've earned a bottle of wine. 
lovely, lovely jubbly. So yeah, uh, A, fitness trackers, as in, um, you know, your, your bands and your Apple watches and things like that, they are notoriously unreliable when it comes to assessing your calorie expenditure from exercise. Like Lauren said there, she might have finished a workout. Oh, brilliant. I've burned 800 calories so I can eat those 800 calories. It's not a very accurate way of doing things, which is why when I speak to you about you guys tracking calories, we don't add calories from exercise. We remove that whole, uh, you know, have I, have I not, how many calories have I burned thing, that inaccuracy, and we just focus on the amount of food uh, that you're joining in. My Garmin, speaking of activity trackers, it seems to think me waving my arms around, I'm getting some steps in. Either that or it's just me bouncing on the spot. I'm in a buzzy mood. Um, but yes, that's a fantastic example. Needing to earn food as well is a definite no-no from a standpoint of relationship with food. I need to get, uh, Lauren distracts me. <laughs> I, I need to get my workout done in order to earn this food. That's not, not a great mindset to have. Go on then, Lauren. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, there we go. Um, I was going to say, um, so my relationship with calories is quite an interesting one. Um, always has been. So I've always been scared of higher calorie foods. And that's from when I um, was anorexic. But I still have that kind of issue nowadays sometimes, um, particularly with things like uh, calories on menus now. So I've always been, because I've always been triggered by um higher calorie foods if I see like a pizza menu and there's nothing below 900 calories I'm there like having a major freak out and then I'll think about what I'm eating in the day and then restrict to then allow for the calories but actually the calories probably don't matter too much they're not they're not evil as such is the way I should I should think about it but I think they're evil sometimes I guess yeah and, and, and Lauren and me have been speaking about this recently because um, Lauren is not in a position where she's trying to lose weight. If you are trying to lose weight, then of course, being aware of calories um, and, and looking at that menu and going, okay, actually there isn't anything that's in line with my goals. That's not to say you can't have a meal less in line with your goals. Of course, I'm not saying that, but it is a case of, right, I am, my goal is to lose weight at the moment having more meals that are in line with my goals is the way in which to do that. So having an awareness of calories is useful. Uh, but of course, we don't want you to get to the point where it's like, I'm, you know, scared of eating calories. Um, Lauren has come from a background of very disordered eating. She has come back from a background of anorexia. And, and when we actually first started uh, seeing each other, it was very interesting us starting to spend more time together, living together, things like that. My approach to food being what it is uh, and, and not having that restriction on calories and things like that, but understanding them, it was very interesting almost breaking Lauren down step by step. There are so many takeaways that Lauren had missed out on for many years of her life before we started uh, dating each other. I've um, never had a KFC. Yeah, twisted the first time she had a KFC. I was like, come on. I was only, we've been together coming up four years. So I spent, what, like 23 years of my life without KFC. Madness. Absolutely. That's outweighing. That it's, out it's delicious. <laughs> 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 and helpful that they put the calories on the menu and yes 
some of those meals are less in line with your goals, a bit harder to fit. But I, I think lots of people would agree that, you know, having, in fact, I know for, for everyone here, if you wanted to, it'd be quite easy to save 800 calories for dinner and go, yeah, I'm going to have 800 calories for dinner tonight. I know that on all of the fast food chains, um, uh, restaurants, you know, Burger King, KFC, you know, things like that, there is a meal as in something that is satiating, something that will keep you full. You might or might not enjoy, depends on your taste buds and things like that, for 800 calories. Uh, and actually, um, in McDonald's situation, the salad is not that thing. Um, you're much better, like a Big Mac is a better option in my, in my opinion, looking at McDonald's, because it's going to fill you up for longer. Um, and actually the salad comes with a wicked amount of calories in the sauce. But anyway, so yeah, a little bit on calories there. Have we got any others that are springing to mind? Oh, I've, I've got uh, two more that we haven't covered. Anyone else? Shall I go? So, okay, we have discussed this before. And if this is something that uh, resonates with you, then um, make sure you check out again the this is a diet and this is a not a diet. Watch this is not a diet first. Uh, the two part training uh, that I did. This is not a diet. This is a diet. And the relationship with food mindset that I've seen quite often is only thinking about food from a weight loss standpoint. And if you are someone who has always wanted to lose weight or yo-yoed up and down in weight or been through the mill when it comes to having lots of different diets, then I do find people get to this point where they're only thinking about food from a weight loss standpoint. And this often ties in with the all or nothing mindset. They are either I'm dieting, so all food is from a weight loss standpoint, or I'm not dieting, so it doesn't matter what I'm putting in my body, I'm gonna eat whatever I want, even if it makes me feel like crap. And that's something that I want to kind of, uh, as the flip to that, as the improved relationship with food, you can think about food from a standpoint of enjoyment, you can think about food from a standpoint of satiety, how much it fills you up, you can think about food from a standpoint of energy, from a standpoint of performance, how it makes you feel, and when you start to see food in that way, that often can break down a lot of the other things, that all or nothing mindset. Oh, I'm not dieting at the moment, so I'm going to have, you know, a Domino's and a tub of Ben and Jerry's tonight. You might then go, but actually, whilst, yes, it's high on my enjoyment, it's definitely going to fill me up, I'm going to feel like crap afterwards. And I don't value that. I recognize that food can make me feel good. So yes, I do want to have a Domino's and some Ben and Jerry's, but I'm going to share it with three people, make it a big social thing or, or whatever it might be. You can start to think about food, not just from the standpoint of weight loss, or I'm not even thinking about weight loss. Does that one make sense? Has anyone got anything that they want to add on that one? No? Cool. Okay. Um, one more then. I think when I was starting out, I was like, well, they're high, high calorie meals, so I'm not going to eat them while I'm like losing weight. Um, but realizing that you can have like, like you said, half a pizza and you'll still be fine and it will still fit into your goals. Like you can adapt things to 
yeah make them work and so that you can eat the things that you do want to eat yeah you can eat the things that you do want you can have smaller portion sizes and and you know bear in mind i'm a six foot <clears throat> five foot eleven but six foot male six foot my stripper heels on it's all good okay bear in mind you know i'm a like 14 stone six foot male i would struggle or i do struggle to eat a whole large pizza i'm not saying i can't but it will leave me feeling overly heavy afterwards i know i don't need to eat that much and that will be the same for everyone else. You know, you can go, you know what? Why should I force myself to eat this whole pizza or this whole serving size of whatever it might be? And a classic example is eating out in a restaurant. It's put down as a large portion because you're paying good money to be there. They don't want their customers to finish their meal and go, well, that was 20 quid and I'm still hungry. So they're going to give you a large portion size. But of course, you might have a much smaller portion size than that at home. You could force yourself to eat the whole lot. And then you might go, I feel pretty heavy. I feel pretty uncomfortable. Or you could recognize this is that part of that intuitive eating. I don't need to eat the whole lot to fill me up. And like Lauren said there, it could be a case of I want pizza, but actually half a pizza is very filling. And do you know what? If I only have half... I'm not going to feel as heavy afterwards. And I could even chuck a load of kind of salad with it, bulk it out a little bit, get some extra vegetables, extra minerals going on. Fantastic. Um, one more from me then. And where are the time? Um, clean food. That's one that I find fascinating. I only eat clean food. What's I hate that clean, term. Yeah, what's, what's clean food? I've, I've always hated that term. Um, then here's another part, and this was a great chapter in this book, by the way. Very, very interesting to know the percentage of people who are qualified as nutritionists who now have orthorexia. So orthorexia is a term for disordered eating when you are scared of eating different food types because of a reason to do with your relationship with food. So for example, I can't eat that because it's got high carbs. Can't eat that because it's got high fat. Oh my God, that's got chemicals in it. I can't eat that, you know. So orthorexia is becoming more and more prevalent because people are flicking through social media and seeing different comments from different people who've got different dietary mechanisms. So they're just different dietary ideas. And then they're picking little bits from everywhere to the point where they're left going, well, what can I eat? Like, I, I don't know what I can eat because, you know, the vegan person's going to tell me that meat's bad for me and that's going to give me high blood pressure and, and all of this. And if I then start eating vegetables, someone else is going to tell me it's bad because I've cooked them. So I'm losing all the nutrients and ah, so that's orthorexia, but it comes from, and you know, low fat, low, like low carb, lots of different ideas and the clean food being one of them. If you've seen anyone touting about how chemicals are bad for you, all foods chemicals, if we're talking about it in that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was my list. It was great to hear that a couple of the ones that I've been uh, writing down, you guys were picking out on as well. Um, thank you for jumping in and, and sharing on that. Does anyone have anything else that, that springs to mind that I've prompted 
that they want to, to share or talk about. I find this kind of, it's a fascinating topic. No, all good. Wonderful, cool. Well, I've got dominoes on the brain now. Yeah, so, right, I was gonna say you've got pizza on my mind. <laughs> Lauren, by the way, Lauren's one of those people that if she was on a desert island, and she could only have one food for the rest of her life. It would oh. be pizza. Although she does clarify that she's going to have an assortment of different toppings. Oh yeah. So she kind you of breaks. Not... She breaks the rules with that whole question in a you know. Well, I'd have a sweet pizza one day, and then ham and pineapple another, and and all of this. You're not just leaving me with one flavour. That would get boring. <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, I will hang around if anyone wants to chat or ask any questions. I hope this has been interesting. I will post this in the group as a, a podcast version as well. Please feel free. If you have anyone that you think it'd be useful to, send it on to them. Let them know that they can reach out to me and ask me if they've got any questions. I'll, uh, I'll stop the recording there.